You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Jacques Daniel here with... Bridget Garapentine. We are here in the beautiful Chancery offices enjoying a lovely Tuesday morning. And um, we have, uh, yeah, we've got a full full morning ahead of us. And so we have some new guests. We're here with uh, Jim Kenyon and Father Robert Kenyon. So I'll just have you guys introduce yourselves. Yeah, I'm Jim Kenyon. Um, been the director of Catholic Social Services for going on 32 years. And I'm just grateful to, to be here to share a little bit about uh, uh, my experience of Robert's ordination and, and celebration. So yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, Father Robert Kenyon. Jim's son, as I've known uh, throughout the diocese, really. Um, my dad has been the director of Catholic Social Services out here for dang near 30 years, if not more. Um, born and raised here in Rapid City, entered seminary right after high school, and just got ordained uh, just over two weeks ago. So veteran status is still lacking within the presbyterate, but I'm on my way. Excellent. Excellent. So this isn't this question isn't on the script, but I just um Jim, how is it now you have to call your son Robert father? You know, I kinda told people and they said Are you gonna call him father and I said, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I'll have to have a couple of drinks before I'm ready for that. <laughs> and they said, Well, what are you gonna do if you have to go to confession to him? I said, That's three drinks. <laughs> I don't know if I'm fully ready for all this, but yeah. We'll, we'll do a, we'll do what we can to avoid that kind of situation. <laughs> Part part of my story, and and obviously my dad's tied into this, is that I grew up right across the street from the cathedral in Rapid City. My parents still live in that in that house, so actually the way things work out, they'd probably find easier access to the priests of the cathedral for confession than they would me. That's good. Um, we'll, uh, we'll try to avoid that situation. I know a lot about my dad. <laughs> there are some things I just assume remain in the dark yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, do you prefer Father Robert or Father Kenyon? I'm not going to be out to correct people okay. and stuff like that, but Father Robert's the way I've introduced myself. Okay. It's simpler. Plus, you know, I've been a seminarian for like 10 years, and I've never gone by seminarian Kenyon. I've gone by Robert, obviously, so it's just an adjustment. It's an adjustment for myself, but for a lot of other people throughout the diocese, just to pick up the father title in front of Robert. So um, if we can get Father Robert, that's plenty. That's plenty. Fantastic. Well, um, we are going to talk about ordination. We're going to talk about your first couple of weeks of priesthood. But before we get there, we have your father here. So we want to know, um, what was life like in the Kenyan household? You Obviously, you were a prayerful man, and you encouraged your family to pray and consider vocations. What did that look like? Yeah. You know, for me... Um, I actually studied for the Diocese of Rapid City myself for three years. So, you know, early on in my life, I had a sense that maybe priesthood was what I was called to, and grateful to God that I wasn't, you know. Um, it would have been a disaster, I think. Um, I, I definitely need a wife. And I and and the joy of being a father was something that I didn't think would ever happen in my life. So um found that to be just an awesome privilege you know, to be a part of forming and shaping life and and a whole sense of, of what life was about sort of 
began early in my own life, you know, with that seminary experience. Understanding what am I here for and what is life about. And just have a tremendous amount of gratitude in my own life for that three years. Um, but very clearly was got an indication that wasn't what I was to do with my life. And so I remember feeling greatly relieved and thinking, oh my goodness, thank goodness, I can just be a normal guy because you know, I just knew I wasn't maybe good enough to be a priest. That's that's what occurred to me. And then I, over time, and, and it's sad that it took me that long to figure that out, but that I was called to holiness and that this was another way for me to serve and love God. And and my wife, I think, made much of that easy for me in many ways. And and watching my children and living next door to cathedral, as, as, as Robert talks about, turned out to be an extraordinary grace for us, just in that those people that became a part of our life on a regular basis, including our clergy, including you guys, including so many people who shared a deep, rich life of faith, really are responsible in many ways for the gift that my children have of their faith, both Robert and, and his sisters. Um, so a lot of people sit there and say, what's it like to have a son as a priest? And aren't you proud of that? And I step back and I say, no, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that same thing with my daughters as well. Um, that so many people invested, that shared life and shared the love of Christ with us. Um, so, yeah, it isn't that I'm a, a holy, prayerful man. I try to be. I try to be. Um, but really it's a celebration of all that God has made possible in my life. And I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude for that. And to see that developing and being realized in the life of my children um, is just a great grace. Father Robert, can you speak about the impact of your home life, your family life upon your vocation? Yeah, I was about to jump in there because <laughs> Dad largely just deflected the question. But, um, yeah, I mean, we had some pretty classic Catholic practices going on in the home. Um, not quite a daily rosary, but I would say a couple of times a week we'd be sitting down and uh, being exhorted to quiet down and focus as we're uh, telling the beads, as the old timers say. Uh, but praying the rosary together. Um, beyond that, just given the ease of access to the cathedral, a lot of the priests, especially the associate pastors, as they were assigned there, would come over with some regularity and say hello, check in. Um, we shared a number of hobbies with them, going hunting and fishing and things like that. And all of that helped me perceive the personhood within the priests, to recognize that these are good men uh, who live holistic lifestyles and have it centered on Christ. And insofar as it's centered on Christ, they can enjoy all the other things around it too. And that was just deeply attractive to me as a kid and as an adolescent. Um... Other things going on in the home, though, is, you know, as we're, as we're across the street from the cathedral, other people filter in uh, after Sunday Masses. You know, there's like a wave after the 8 a.m. and 10.30 <laughs> on Sunday morning to say hello and to share coffee and stuff like that. All of that helped me just see the, the, the great beauty that is present within a Catholic way of life. Um, and as Dad had mentioned, uh, gratitude being the, the central focus of that, of that lived experience. Um, and I'd just like to echo that now, and I'm deeply grateful for the home in which I was born, both physically, but then the, the spiritual uh, aspects that were developed by my mother and my father. 
Yeah, I personally have a lot of gratitude, too, for the Kenyan House. Um, as a young adult, I would go to daily mass, and then their window faces the cathedral, so Lisa would yell out the window, come over, and, <laughs> or you'd see her washing dishes, and just felt like the home was always open, and there were a lot of us that frequented that kitchen table, and so uh, they've invested in a lot of the vocations of the young people of this diocese. Yeah, second that, I, you know, as a young married couple, Annie and I uh, got married, moved into the Newman Center, and started working and doing youth ministry at the cathedral, and, you know, she spent a variety of evenings with Lisa and uh, Linda Hofer and those moms that were seasoned, and we were just having, you know, our first kid and, and just trying to figure out married life and and motherhood and fatherhood, and, and so the Kenyans, yeah, you guys were definitely way up there in encouragement and 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 still are you know as we see that all your kids survived you know <laughs> you, you have a big, big family everyone everyone's still alive and uh and somehow you know a faithful family is possible it's a great encouragement to me and to annie yeah supported by the prayers of many <laughs> yeah amen Amen. Well, f uh, Jim, you know, you mentioned that you went uh, to seminary for three years and discerned the priesthood. What, what was it like when, uh, when Father Robert shared with your family, you know, that he was considering that same call? I think it was something he kept very private. And so, you know, I know I didn't need to push that. I tease my daughters a lot about religious life, <laughs> and I knew I didn't really need to do that with him. And I didn't know at all whether or not that was an expectation, but I know in my own life, my mom had a very, very strong inclination to push me that way. And so tried to find the right balance and tried to find the right space. Um, but I can say it's kind of a crazy thing when you pull up to the seminary with your son in the car to drop him off. And the vice rector comes out and he's a classmate of yours. <laughs> and and the 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 person that ordains your son is your classmate, um, Father Beekler mm -hmm. or Bishop Beekler. Just incredible kinds of things that you see that I don't think are an ordinary part of a father's life. I remember crying when I left him. He didn't cry when I left him in the seminary because <laughs> I sat there and said, do you know what you've just done? You left me home with all these women. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I kept it together until I saw the taillights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, just eager for him to come to know God. And I knew that opportunity would be there as part of his seminary formation experience. And that's the most important relationship as fathers that we can have for our children. Mm -hmm. Just to make certain they understand that relationship because that's the foundational thing for where they live their life forever whether it be religious or whether it be in, in, a, in a married life or a single life yeah i think that's one of the conversations that has flowed uh, floated around the chancery and the vocations office for many years you know that this that just to inspire young men to to give god a chance and that in seminary is the space where you're going to have the space you're going to have the constancy you're going to have the opportunities to discern you're going to have the right people around you you're going to have conversations spiritual conversations like the you're going to get the formation that you need that you know as you experience that doesn't always end with priesthood you know sometimes ends with a good faithful a husband and and uh, living a, a different vocation but to not be afraid of that to not be afraid of 
saying yes. So that would probably brought a lot of comfort to you, you know, like, yeah, this might, God, really I'm putting him in God's hands and, and uh, he's got good four meters who are going to help him figure this out. And Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. All right, good. Well, thank you. Uh, we are going to take a short little break, and uh, on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more about your uh, couple weeks of priesthood here as we uh, jump in. Uh, if you're with us on uh, Real Presence Live, grab some coffee and catch us on the other side of the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The Sermon on the Mount and Encounter. People sense very strongly, shall we say, the double implication of the Sermon on the Mount that this is, on the one hand, the message of a new inwardness, a maturity, and kindness, bringing freedom from superficiality and external things, yet at the same time making a more serious claim on us. And this claim is so great that man, were he left on his own, would be crushed by it. When it is said, I no longer merely say to you, you may not commit adultery, but that you may not look on a woman with lust. When it is said, not only may you not kill, but you may not even be angry at the other person. And when it is said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is no longer enough. On the contrary, if anyone strikes you on the cheek, you must offer him the other cheek. Then we are confronted by a demand so great that it amazes us, but that also seems to ask too much of men, which would at least be asking too much of them if it were not in the first place lived out in Jesus Christ, and if the whole thing were not the result of a personal encounter with God. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to Good Real morning. Presence Live. I'm Jack Daniel here with Bridget Grappentine, Father Robert Kenyon, Jim Kenyon. We've been having a fantastic conversation. And uh, here we go. We're going to move in. We're going to fast forward a few years uh, to past seminary drop-off day to ordination day. This happened a couple weeks ago. It was a beautiful moment. Maybe, uh, yeah, what was that? Father Father Kenyon, what was that like for you? What was going through your heart and mind uh, uh, as you stood in the cathedral? Uh, you know, looking back, it kind of has this dreamlike quality where I think after the holy hour, the night before the ordination itself, I kind of reached a certain like threshold where I just 
kind of stopped being able to to really remember it as I would remember something like yesterday um, because it, it was just such a powerful experience for me. But um, on the whole, I mean, we mentioned gratitude before the break and that, that was the consistent experience of mine was one of deep gratitude to the Lord for the various and uh, sometimes uh, confounding ways even that he led me to the altar. Um, but a gratitude for all of that. Uh, the, the day itself was, was foggy outside the cathedral building, which is uh, was almost kind of a symbol of what uh, several years in seminary felt like, where I, I knew I was in the right place, but I didn't really see the trajectory. Um, I, I, in the same way that we kind of drive on the, along the interstate with the fog, it's like, okay, I've got like uh, three dashes in front of me, and that's going to be <laughs> enough for a while. And that, in many ways, was my experience of mm-hmm. seminary formation and, and discernment and and all that with the corkscrews that all that stuff entailed. But um, a deep sense of gratitude. Um, our cathedral was was largely filled, um, there, and uh, in the thank you letters that I've been writing to to people in response to to their gifts and and the very kind words in their letters, I was struck by what one lady from Rapid City wrote, and she said. The, the attendance of the cathedral was like seeing the collective thirst for God present within our diocese. Mm-hmm. And it, at an ordination right, I mean, the people are there because they want to be there, and there's uh, just a beautiful participation that flows from that. And it, it felt as if everyone was singing and, and everyone was uh, really centered in, in deep, deep prayer uh, for me, which was deeply humbling. Um, yeah, the right itself was 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 very very powerful, um, and and to see so many people from so many different stages of my life all there, did have this celestial this heavenly quality to it where, it felt like I was almost able to step outside of time, and see the 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 people who had impacted my life in so many beautiful and, and profound ways, all present together there praying for me and, and uh, grateful to God. And there's there's nothing like it I've ever experienced, for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was expecting. Um, I, I mean, I expected a lot of people to be there, but uh, when they started setting up chairs in the entryway <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and families started lining up on the sidelines and, and little kids were, you know, there's a couple of pictures of, of uh, during the moment where you were pr- lying prostrate and, uh, and the and the assembly was on their knees, uh, praying, uh, saying the intercession for you, uh, just to watch little little guys in the in the in the hallway, right there, and uh, and in the main aisle, um, on their knees, and and just taking everything in. It was just, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was expecting, but it was beautiful. All yeah. those things that you just said. <laughs> yeah, and and as my dad mentioned before the break, uh, Bishop Stephen Beegler of the Diocese of Cheyenne, Wyoming, came out to ordain me, given the you know, the terrible health of our bishop here uh, at the time. And uh, on account of that, I mean, certainly my preference would have been to be ordained by my own ordinary and have Bishop Peter there to, to do that, especially given the deep respect that I had for him. But um, having Bishop Stephen there was a was a real neat uh, consolation prize in the sense that he knew our family well. My dad was in seminary with them for two or three years, and then he was the rector of the cathedral my home parish for a number of years as well. So to be ordained by my 
previous pastor, so to speak, in the very church where he had oversight was like this just crazy gift. Um, and on account of that, I mean, the, the homily that he gave was deeply moving to me mm-hmm. on account of the fact that he he knew me um, and he had a pretty good sense of uh, what was beating in my heart and uh, was able to kind of uh, direct my my mind and my heart to receive the gift, at least in a fuller capacity there at that ordination rite. Jim, what was that like for you? Yeah, surreal, I think. I think in a very similar way that Robert put it. And, you know, probably this is the second time in my life where I have experienced the powerful prayer of all the people who pray for vocations. You know, and I remember experiencing that even in the seminary, and particularly when we do Eucharistic adoration and we would be um, going to confession. And sometimes that took three hours. And I remember being in the little chapel in Winona and feeling as though the grace of God was so present that it was almost like a mist. You could just feel, in a very, very real way, the thousands of people who prayed for vocations every day throughout our diocese. And going back um, to Robert's ordination, I think that was the renewal of that experience again for me. Just a deep sense of the faith of our people in our diocese. We have an incredible diocese that I am extraordinarily grateful for. And having um, that ordination happen also on the feast day, or, or his first mass on the feast day of St. Blaise, as we're all praying and very conscious of the fact that our own bishop who just passed, uh, was interceding for us and praying for us. Uh, but to have your son who you fed hundreds of meals to, knowing that at some point he'll be able to give you the bread of life and feed us and feed many in a way that no one uh, other than a priest can do, uh, will stop you in your tracks. And I think um, a great celebration. And so grateful for our diocese and our people because that is where vocations come. They're a call from the community to ask someone to give their life and sacrifice as a priest for the love of our God and to marry his bride, our, di- our local diocese. That will n- be a moment in my life that I'll never forget. Yeah, very well put. I mean, and that, that's part of the ordination right itself. Mm-hmm. You know, have, have you found this man worthy? which in and of itself is kind of a joke because the obvious answer is no. <laughs> and at, w- at what point am I able to receive a gift that I in no way could manufacture for myself? But um, the answer to that question anyway, though, is after consultation with the people of God and those responsible for his formation, we have found him worthy. And you know, the way that my dad just put that is is uh, very astute. The, the community itself uh, is responsible uh, for uh, the development and the, the, the prayerful atmosphere in which a man might be able to perceive a call from God. The, the family is obviously uh, not, not apart from that community. The, the family is the, 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 the nucleus within that community for each individual person, but uh, the community has an, an enormous role.
so much so that we have that, that line present within our ordination ritual. Amen. Well, Father, what has it been like these first two weeks? You've uh, have you seen the have you seen the gamut of priest <laughs> priestly life? <laughs> I haven't. No, it, it's like uh, you know, I'm, I'm just learning yet again that there's a ton to learn. I just I was with my uh, priestly support group uh, yesterday and the night before uh, the Jesu Caritas group, which we've got present uh, gratefully within our diocese, and. In trying to explain it to them, I've used an image that maybe came to me two weeks ago while trying to explain that same kind of answer to your question to other people, which is, it's like, I, I feel like I'm kind of a middle school boy again, um, reaching to the theater chair right next to me to grab this girl's hand. And um, as I grab it, I, I feel awkward. And uh, my I'm kind of aware of the fact that my hand feels sweaty and that <laughs> um, I, I'm not really sure if this is uh, exactly the way that this is supposed to be done, but I'm so grateful to be able to do it, and I, I, f- I feel uh, affection and, and love, and I'm 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 glad to be there holding her hand, or I'm glad to be there celebrating the Eucharist and to be hearing confessions. But it it is a very very new reality, and on account of that, there's a there is a sense of self preoccupation that. I hope does wane a little bit as, as time goes on. On the whole, deeply grateful, deeply overwhelming, um, and um, I I just pray that uh, I I'm able to remain grateful for this gift, and I pray that people will continue to sustain me with their prayers, um, because it is uh, it's a reality where I'll, I'll never it's a it's a situation in which I'll never really be touching the bottom of the pool. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of water treading for the rest of my life. Amen. Jim, any final thoughts on fatherhood? Yeah, just grateful that this was a vocation and call to, um, and grateful for um, the gift of faith and seeing that alive in my children. Um, you could I, that would be the one wish that I would have in my life that they know the love of God and obviously in Robert's life and I think in the life of my daughters it's been a very very um, something to trust God with and uh, he's proven he's worth it Amen, thank you Jim and Father Kenyon and Father Robert we'll, uh, those of you joining us we'll catch you on the other side of the break for more amazing guests on Real Presence Live I appreciate it, thank you Thank you